Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. Once again, I'll remind you that we have two other gatherings. Uh, If you uh, want to... uh, Yeah, okay. We're glad you're here. Amen, somebody. Come on. Hey, uh, this is a special day. This is a unique Sunday because this is Child Dedication Day where we're going to watch families come up here and make a declaration about their intentions for their kids. And so there's some extra kids in the room, so if you hear some kids screaming, that is a sign of a healthy church. Come on, somebody. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But in case maybe you're new or I don't know what your background is, we don't, we don't do infant baptism here because we believe that baptism comes on the other side of an individual and a personal decision to follow Jesus. And it is a, a symbolic gesture and a public declaration that when you go through the waters of baptism, just as Jesus modeled for us, the old is gone, the new has come, and you're declaring to the world that your life and your heart belongs to him. And so that's what we believe about baptism, and that's not something a child gets to do for, for themselves. But we're going to have baptisms here in a few weeks. So if you've accepted Jesus recently or maybe a while ago and you've just never made that step, we want to encourage you to think about going public with your faith through baptism, letting the world know that, no, you're not perfect, but you're different. Come on, somebody. You don't have it all figured out, but Jesus is in your heart. But today, what child dedication is, is it's a declaration by a parent before the world and their church family that we believe that God has gifted up this kid and we feel the responsibility of it. And a parent's not coming up here declaring that their intentions are to be perfect because there is no perfect parent. But it is that, hey, our desire, our heart is to model before this child that we've been entrusted with what it means to know Jesus. We're gonna do our level best through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to teach this child the word of God and to show them what it means to live with big faith. That's what child dedication is. And it's also an opportunity for you friends, family, church family, to make a commitment to them, to make a commitment to support, pray for, to be there with them in this journey and play the role that God has played, uh, put you in their lives to make sure that they are moving in the right direction. And this is a perfect time to do this because in case you haven't been with us, we're in a series that was supposed to actually end next week, but if it's okay with y'all and really even if it's not, we're gonna keep going for a few weeks because God has really been stirring something up in my heart, believing that, man, this series is on time. Come on, somebody. That what God wants to do in your home is really important. Because the whole premise of this series is rooted in Isaiah 32. It's Isaiah 32, verse 18. Look at it with me once again. It says, my people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. And although we know that the prophet Isaiah is pointing to a place in the future, that we believe this reveals God's heart for your home, that he he desires for your home to be a haven, that when you cross over the threshold of your front door and step into whatever it is that you call home, whether it's a mansion or a mobile home, whether you're single or married or somewhere in between, that God desires for your home to be a haven. Why? Because you need it. Because we live in a world that is constantly chaotic. And so very often we find ourselves in a space where we can't control what's happening. Like you don't get to set the atmosphere of your office. 
You don't get to control necessarily the culture of your school, but you have a say over the health of your home. And that God is moving us to make some hard decisions and have some hard conversations because for your sanity and your spiritual growth, you need a sanctuary. You need a place that you come into every evening and it's safe and it's peaceful. And when the home is at peace, the chaos in the world is much more tolerable. It is a space where you can come and you can find encouragement and experience peace and know love and experience truth. And we've been talking about all the things that it takes to get us to that point. Because house don't go from house to haven without a lot of work. It is built with intention. And I've been encouraged you, start fighting. I want you to fight more than you've ever fought. For each other, not with each other. For each other, not with each other. That we've said that we want to move to a place where we're fighting for the same things and not over different things. And that can only happen when every heart in that home is moving towards Jesus. That when we all are pursuing Christ, he aligns our values and he moves us toward the proper priorities. Start fighting for each other and not with each other. And we've also said that, that a house is not shingles and sheetrock. A house is made up of the relationships in it. And a house will never be a haven if the relationships in it aren't healthy. A house will never be a haven if your marriage is still full of tension. If you don't know how to deal and have conversations and deal with conflict with your kids. That a house will never be a haven if the relationships in it aren't healthy. And so we're going to start fighting for our marriages and having hard conversations and doing the things that are necessary. And then last week we talked about the importance of what's kept in the mind and what's held in the heart. And it's been wild to hear messages this week about how that struck with people because what's kept in your mind and what's held in your heart is impacting what's happening in your home. And that we can be physically in our homes but mentally so far away. Or we, our minds can be so consumed with all the craziness that we just can't, that the wrong people become the target of our frustration. What's, and only Jesus can ease the mind and heal the heart. Amen, somebody. Glad y'all believe it. Maybe I need to preach that again. Hit, just hit, pull up last week's sermon. What's, only Jesus can really ease the mind and heal the heart. Pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. I appreciate your effort, y'all. And one of the things we've said is if a house is gonna be a haven, it's where truth is learned. And we have to acknowledge something, that the home is the front line of faith formation. Your home is the front line of faith formation. It's the front line. That what, what, what is being experienced in your home right now is either propelling the faith of the next generation forward or it will hold it back. What's being experienced in your home right now is either propelling the faith of the next generation forward or it will hold it back. That it is the place where we have the opportunity to model before our kids what it is to know and love and serve Jesus Christ. And I know that so many of us didn't grow up like that, and there's some people in the room that don't go home to that, but it's the reality that home is the front line of faith formation. And I know that all of us feel the weight and the worry and the wonder about what the world will look like for the generation to come. All of us feel that. 
All of us feel, are filled with worry and wonder about what kind of world our kids will live in when they're our age. But can I tell you something? We're not the first generation to feel that. Your parents felt it, their parents felt it, every generation has felt it. But can I tell you, the God of the Bible makes it very clear that he is Lord in any and every generation. That we serve a God of generations. Psalm 102, verse 12. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Forever means forever. Your renown endures through all generations. That in a few years, I don't know who will be in the office, but I know who's still sitting on the throne. That God will still be God. He was God yesterday. He is God today. He will be God tomorrow. And there's something about that reality that we need to lean into. Psalm 119, verses 89 and 90. Your word, Lord, it's eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. That he will endure. His word will endure. His character and his nature, it does not change. But he will not be confined to any method or any party or any situation or any denomination. That God is God, always has been, always will be. But we, look at me though. We have, we may not all have the opportunity to have children. But we all share in the obligation of shaping the next generation. We will not all necessarily have the opportunity to have children, but we all share in the obligation to shape the next generation. So I don't want you to think because you're not a parent here today, somehow you're exempt or immune from this. We may not all have the opportunity to have kids, but we all share in the obligation to help shape the faith of the next generation. And I think about what David wrote in Psalm 71, it says, since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. That we all have the opportunity to help shape the faith of the next generation. And as concerned as we are for what it will be, as long as there are parents that are about to do what we're about to witness, as long as there are parents committed to modeling Jesus in their home, there will always be a generation that chooses Jesus. So I'm gonna invite you. Those of you who've decided today's the day you're bringing your child to dedicate them to the Lord, go ahead, come on, come on, come on. Parents who are bringing your kids to dedicate them to the Lord, just come on, begin to spread out, make your way around the front here. Can y'all show some love to these families coming up here today? Just go ahead and spread out. All right, I want all y'all, I want all y'all to turn and look at me because I'm gonna talk to y'all and I'm gonna let them listen in. Is, is that all right? Today, you're coming here and in no way is anybody coming here thinking that you're expecting to always get it right, to never make a mistake, to be the perfect parent because believe me, my kids are about to turn 13. They just turned 13. What am I talking about? 
They just turned 13. And right now, they're still, they're still good kids. I'm waiting for the demon to come out, and it hasn't yet. But what you're coming here today is to make a declaration. You recognize that that child or those children that you've been given, they are a gift from God. They are a unique opportunity for you to teach them about Jesus to model before them what it means to be a husband and a wife, to be a family, to show them they will learn about Jesus from you first. And you get an opportunity, you're, you're coming here today saying, we're, our home is gonna be a place where Jesus is Lord, where his word is the foundation, where we accept the responsibility that we've been given by God to share our faith with these little ones. And so that's what you're doing here today. And so I'm gonna ask you to verbally make that commitment. Do you commit with the power of the Holy Spirit and God on your side, knowing that he is for you and with you, to doing everything you can in his power to demonstrate before these, chi- these children what it means to live with big faith, committed to Jesus Christ? If that is your desire, would you please respond? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Amen. I want y'all to turn and face these group of people. Because the people that you're looking out here, whether you see a stranger whether you see church family or whether you see family family, parents, grandparents, cousins, uncles, sisters, they need you and you need them. And church, you have a role to play in the lives of these families. They need your support. They need your prayers. They need all the things that you have to offer. And maybe you look up here and you don't know everybody out here, but I'm gonna ask you, will you commit to praying for these families? Will you commit to walking with them in whatever role that you can to support them, pray for them, be there with them, because it's gonna get hard and they're gonna need support. So if you're committed to them, would you please respond, yes, we are. Would you stand up with me and point your hands toward these families as we pray over them, as we ask God's provision and care over their lives? Would you just go ahead and start doing that right where you are? Go ahead and start praying. Praying that God would give them wisdom and strength, that God would give them power and discernment, that God would watch over them, that God would protect these little ones from all that the enemy might want to do to hijack their heart. Would you pray for these moms and these dads and the grandparents and all those who will have intimate connection with them? Would you just ask God to bring hope and healing and power to their lives? Father God, we thank you so much for every life represented to hear today, God. God, I thank you that I hear cries in this room today. I thank you that there is a generation that is now gonna be entrusted to people like these, these moms and these dads who have said, we're gonna do what we can. We're gonna take ownership of their discipleship. We're gonna do our level best to serve these kids, to love them well, to teach them your word. And God, I pray that you would just bring unity in these homes, that you would reside here with power and authority, and that God, we look forward to what you're gonna do. God, I pray for these kids, protect them as they grow. God, as they grow, as Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. God, I pray that your anointing would be upon them and that you would use them to do great things. God, we believe standing before us is a group of world changers that will continue to show your glory and goodness to the generation to come. God, move in their hearts. Touch them in a special way. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people declared, amen, amen. Would you just give some praise to them this morning? You guys can have a seat. You guys can head back to your seat. You guys keep standing with me because we're going to worship. We're going to worship. We're going to worship. We're going to declare God's goodness in this room. And there's no better thing to do than on the other side of that to give glory and honor to God through worship. Amen. So let's get ready. Let's sing together. Let's give God praise. 
Amen. You guys can be seated again. You guys can be seated. Because see, I can't, we can't walk out of this room just yet. We can't talk about something like that. We can't acknowledge that we have a responsibility for the spiritual maturity of the next generation and not have a conversation about, all right, how do we do that? How? How, how, do, we, how do we shape the faith of the next generation if we believe it is on our shoulders to do so? What do we do? And that's a question I think especially every parent wrestles with. Like you, you, you wake up and you've been given this life and you're thinking, God, do you know what you're doing? Like you won't, have you seen me? And then I'm like, God, you, you gave me two at a time. You real funny, God. Because you, you feel that responsibility. And even, if, again, not even if you're not a parent, maybe, maybe you volunteer in our student ministry or maybe you're a teacher or maybe you serve in, in vintage kids or in all these different spaces and, and, and you feel that responsibility. And you're like, all right, God, how do I do this? How do, I not, how do I not make them worse? How do I not screw these people up that you've entrusted to me? And, and I wish I could come out here. Ministry is not math. I can't give you a formula and say, here you go. And this will work for every kid you ever encounter, no matter, because they're, they're also, and some of you have kids, like not like me that had them two at one time. You had kids spread out, and you're like, what worked for this one is not working at all for this one. God, help me, please. And you're living in that tension. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have the answer, but when Aiden and Leah turned 13 back in June, that week, that, when, they, when, when your kids hit those milestone birthdays, you're looking at them, and here's Aiden, got this peach fuzz on his face and whatnot, and Leah's becoming this young woman, and I'm thinking, I've got to learn how to hide a body because someday there's going to be a boy that comes. And so you, you live in that tension, and so I just li- really like, God, now that they're becoming teenagers, and I know things are going to change, and, and, and the way I've parented to this point is going to have to evolve. Just like every generation needs something different from the church in order to keep moving their faith forward. And I just wrote some things down in my journal that I wanna share with you before we get out of here. Because I asked God that question. I said, God, what do I do? What, what can I do to make sure that this young man and this young woman who you've put in my home grow up to know you, love you, and serve you? And the first two things I wrote down were show them his goodness, teach them his ways. I just feel like God spoke that into my spirit. Show them his goodness, teach them his ways. The way I wrote it down was, show them my goodness, teach them my ways. Show them his goodness and teach them his ways. That first and foremost, what I want to do is I want to demonstrate and live a life in front of my kids so much that they believe that the God of their father is faithful. That in the way that I operate in my life, in the way that I interact with them, in the way that I treat my wife, in the way that I approach my job, in the way that I pray over them, I want them to look up and say, the God of my Father is faithful and he is good. Because if I can get them to believe God is good, I think I increase the chances they will pursue him. And I know they live in a world that's constantly going to challenge that reality. If I can get them to believe that even when life isn't good, God still is, that maybe they will remain faithful to who he is. Teach them his goodness. I want my kids, I want the next generation, if, I want you to know that we serve a God who is good. 
And I know we're living through a season in our lives more than maybe any other in any point in our history where it's sometimes hard to believe that with all the things that you're having to navigate and I'm having to navigate and the pain and the struggle and the frustration. I want them to know that God is good. Psalm 78. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open up my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from old. Things we have heard and known. Things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. Did you see it? That what we're going to do is we're going to tell the next generation of God's goodness. We're going we're to give testimony to who God is, not just in old times, but in our time. Yeah, I want my kids to read scripture and they can see God's goodness in the life of Moses and, and Joseph and, and Jesus and Paul and Peter. And, but I want them to know that I have personally seen his goodness that they don't have to look back to the old, old and ancient stories, which I want them to, but there have been moments in my story and in their story that are reminders of God's goodness. And so I want to tell them those stories. That if you want to show them God is good, tell him about the moments when he has been. Because it'll build their faith and affirm yours. that the stories of God's goodness in your story can become an anchor for their souls when life gets hard and wants to push them off their faith. And so every now and then, like you, you have to intentionally tell them of God's goodness. Come here, bud. Come on. Come sit right here. This is my son. And now, I, everybody always asks why I always bring him up and never Leah. It's because Leah says she'll die <laughs> if I bring her up. So I always bring him. You are an example of God's goodness in my life. And there are so many stories that are connected to your stories that you can never forget. Because when you were in mom's tummy, and we were in the hospital because you were trying to come early. Only time you've ever been early in your life. <laughs> they took us up and told us all the things that could go wrong if you were born that day. And I remember laying flat on my face. Some of y'all have heard this story. Flat on my face in a bathroom. It was disgusting, but I was talking to Jesus, so he didn't let me get whatever. And I remember asking God to keep you there just a little longer because as much as I wanted to hold you in my arms and as much as I'd long for that moment, I knew it wasn't time yet. And every time I hold you now, I remember of God hearing me then. And it's a testimony to God's goodness. And that's part of your story and my story. And there's gonna come moments in your life when you had it really easy so far. And it's cost me a lot of money. Um, 
But there's going to come a moment when you're going to wonder if God's still good. Because some mean girl's going to break your heart. Or you're not going to get the job or something's not going to go right. Or something even harder is going to come. And I want you to remember the stories that I tell you now. So that they anchor your faith when life tries to move it. And there are so many others. Like when I held your mom, when she lost the second brother or sister that you never got to meet because she didn't get to carry him all the way. And I remember praying that God would let me have you then. I said, now when I see your peach fuzz now, I'm reminded again that he heard me then. You are an example that God is good. And don't you ever forget it. I love you. Show them his goodness. And he'll tell you that's not the first time he's heard those stories. And there's so many more I could tell. And your history is littered with testimony of God's goodness that the next generation has to hear. Yeah, man. Get them in the word. We want, we want God's word to be a regular part of their lives. We want them to know all the amazing stories of scripture. But there are things littered all throughout your history that are examples of God's goodness that you got to stop being quiet about. They are never too young to hear them. Share those stories. Tell them of God's goodness because it does. It becomes an anchor for their soul that when this world is trying to push them off the reality, when the world is painting an inaccurate portrait of your God, those stories will be what calibrate it in their heart and move them forward in their faith. Teach them his ways. When's the last time Scripture was a part of your family routine. Y'all move on to that passage in Proverbs that's, that's after the next, yeah, Proverbs 22. Y'all know this one? Start your children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Or that passage in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strengths. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Then let's get verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at where? At home. When you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Like what he's trying to say is the word should be a regular part of your world. Teach them his ways. Model those things before them. Right now, there's parents in this room, and you got kids in V Kids. And on the way home, you have an amazing opportunity with one question What'd you learn at church today? What'd you learn at church today? Chris and Nikki said that was a good idea for husbands and wives to have that conversation a few weeks ago. It's an even better idea, or just as good as one, to have that conversation with your kids. What'd you learn today? 
Show them his goodness. Teach them his ways. And there are so many avenues in which to do that. Now that day sitting in my journal, there were three other things that God impressed on my heart that I'm still trying to sort out. And I felt like God wanted me to share them with you today, even though I don't really know what to say about them. Is that okay? So like, I don't know if I'm, I'm just teaching something to y'all right now, but I'm just sharing this, and I hope you can do something with it. And as you learn, y'all come and talk to me, okay? You with me say amen. amen. I also felt God remind me that I am their father, I am not their friend. That's just good right there on its surface, isn't it? <laughs> Because maybe, maybe in our culture, we got too many parents trying to be friends and not trying to be parents, and that might be what's wrong with the world. <laughs> I am their father. I am not their friend. I love that boy like he's my best friend, but I am your father before I am your friend. Because there's a distinction there that has to be made so that you recognize my authority in your life. And I want to leverage that position well but there is a boundary that I have to protect in order to raise him the way God has called me to. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. And fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Like there's a specific role that I have for him that nobody else is supposed to play. It's my responsibility. Men, look at me. Own it. Be the father that your kid deserves and the example of Jesus they need. Second thing God put on my heart and that day I wrote my journal is, I can't be perfect, but I need to be consistent. I can't be perfect, but I need to be consistent. And sometimes, can we just be honest that there are moments when we use our inability to be perfect as justification to be inconsistent? I can't be perfect, but I need to be consistent. I need to be consistent because Everything I do and everything I say matters. Like, I don't get to turn it off. I don't get to act like an idiot and then say, Aiden, for the last 15 minutes, I wasn't your father. <laughs> so just ignore all that. You don't get to turn it off. Parent don't come with a punch clock. Do y'all even know what a punch clock is in this culture? You ever do that when you clocked in and clocked? Like you, don't, you don't get to do that. We looked at this verse, Matthew chapter five, in a series that we did earlier this year, Salt and Light. We were talking about leveraging our influence, leveraging our influence out in the world. But sometimes I don't think we, we remember, like, okay, my influence is something you think about out there instead of in here, in here being my home. But I want you to notice something, Matthew five, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are a light of the world, and a town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the, the house. That the light comes on in the house, and then is carried out the front door. 
But if you aren't shining in your home, you will never shine anywhere else. So in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I am his father and her father, not their friend. I can't be perfect, but I need to be consistent. And this is the one that I want you to really lean into. As much as I love them, he loves them more. Just let that sink into your spirit. As much as I love them, he loves them more. We went to dinner the other night, and we were sitting across the table from each other, and my wife was placing the order, and I was just looking at my kids, stare at their phones. And parents, do you ever have this moment where all of a sudden just worry washed over me like a tidal wave? And I started thinking about, are they going to be able to stay in school? What's going to happen? How, is there, how are they doing academically? How is, what could happen in the next few weeks impact them? Like, what, what's the world going to look like a year from now? What's going to happen? Until, you ever get in that moment, and then you just start, all this stuff just starts boiling over. And, and God reminded me of that line, Matt. <laughs> Think about it. Like there's times I look at my kids and it just, I get overwhelmed with just love. Like love them so much it, it hurts. Like I'll catch myself. I know this is creepy, son, but I just catch myself just staring at them. It's like God said, all that love that you feel my love is so much greater that you, I, I, can't even, I can't even put like a multiplier on it. And I say that to remind you that, that he loves them more than you ever could. So you can trust him with them. You can trust him with them. You can trust him with them. When they're at school, you can trust him with them. When they go off to college, you can trust him with them. When they get married, you can trust him with them. When they're wayward and making all the wrong decisions and you feel completely helpless and you're worried about what could happen, you can trust them with him. You can trust them with him. You can trust him with them. You can trust him with them. You can trust them with him because he loves them more than you ever could. I was going to read Luke chapter 15. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Y'all know it. And see, a lot of times we think that that's the story of a parent's love. No, 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 no. That's the story of God's love. That he waits with open arms for all of his children. And so today, would you just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a minute before we walk out of this room. I don't know what God's called you to do to invest in the next generation. But will you just pray? Maybe you're praying for your own kids. Maybe you're a parent in the room and you're asking God to be with your children, to give you strength and wisdom. Maybe you have some other role in the next generation and you're asking, maybe you're praying for that wayward child. But just take some moment before we rush out of this room and just talk to Jesus.
can trust him with them. You can trust him with them. Stand to your feet with me. Father God, we thank you that you have put this on our shoulders to help shape the faith of the next generation. And God, we want to be found faithful. We lean into you, your power, your presence, your spirit to give us everything we need to equip us for the task. God, it is a heavy responsibility, but it's also one that brings us great joy. God, help us to show them your goodness and to teach them your ways to honor you with all that we have and God we put them in your hands knowing that they are safe there in Jesus name we pray and all of God's people declared together amen amen hey thank you so much for worshiping with us today we love you guys have a great week we'll see you next time thanks for listening to the Venice Church podcast we hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.